to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today we've brought on Kurt Carlton to our podcast show today. Welcome to the show, Kurt. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Happy to be here. Kurt, can you share a little bit about your background and what your current focus is on today? Sure. So we run a company called New Western. We started in 2008 and we're a marketplace where real estate investors find houses to rehab. So these are generally, you know, value add properties. So your typical fix and flip or something that an investor wants to fix up and unlock some sweat equity for maybe a rental or something like that. So properties are generally upstream, meaning they're getting them directly from the seller and they need repairs and all that versus more of a, a passive rental that already has a tenant in it and it's cash flow. So you're the co-founder of New Western. How did you guys start with founding the company and where did the roots come from? Sure. You know, we started in 2008, as I had said, and, and we were in Dallas and we, what we did, you know, everything changed then. You know, I like to say we didn't want, you know, we're not, we weren't a startup that wanted to change the world. The world changed and we had to kind of change with it. Um, we were with, with a company me and my my business partner that that quickly went into bankruptcy and, and and folded it. We were in the real estate industry, and uh, we saw all that happen. and 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 there was a lot of good lessons there to go through that very difficult experience. And we started New Western because a lot of these investors, opportunistic investors, were coming into the market. There was no financing available. There was no real clear company out there that had a good product market fit for those individuals. And at the same time, all of America appeared to be on sale when it came to single family real estate. So it was a unique time. And I think these individuals would go to real estate agents and real estate agents are really good at what they do, which is a traditional transaction. And these were not traditional buyers. So it wasn't a good product market fit. So we started New Western to fulfill that category. And the, and the way we did it, how we did it is we used technology and we aggregated all of the MLS data and a lot of the, uh, some of the public data. And we basically performed what a realtor does manually, like an, a CMA. We did an automated CMA or, or an AVM, they call it today, on, on every house on the market every 11 minutes. And that allowed us to really understand the foreclosure market. But the realtors were looking at, you know, if they had a client that was an investor, they were looking at properties that in what they call the hot sheets in their MLS where, you know, price drop back on market, new property. We were just looking at when the comps changed. So nothing had changed with the property, but our algorithm was detecting when a property could be valued higher because the comps around it changed. And that was just, it was just your classic example of you're looking someplace where nobody else is. But we were able to find those assets and perform what a realtor did, what it took them several days to do because of the process they were working. We were able to do that in 45 minutes. So we would run into these neighborhoods and buy all these properties as soon as we could justify the after repair value of each one of these houses when a couple of comps would sell. 
we'd rush in there and do that. So that gave us a window of opportunity for a few years where we were really able to scale the property or scale the uh, company, you know, based on all the inefficiencies that were happening in the foreclosure market. Very different today. I see. So at that time, your primary focus was in the foreclosures markets and you were scanning the MLS and pulling data from other different areas to be able to consolidate and do the analysis um, using technology to help do that some of that analysis for you so that you're able to make a decision yeah, much so we quicker. can identify assets much more quickly when you kind of explain what we were doing now it seems pretty average you know an avm is a normal thing everybody uses it you know open door and everybody they have their avms but back then nobody was doing that so it was an opportunity and there was a lot more inefficiency in the market because a foreclosure was thirty thousand forty thousand dollars you know in dallas for instance and a fixed up house in that same neighborhood was 120. So those algorithms worked really well. The whole market was very inefficient with the foreclosure market. I don't think we'll ever see that market again. I don't think we'll ever be able to take a second bite out of the apple with what we did with technology on that front. It's very different today. We have to be much more precise today, very different type of seller. You know, we have a seller propensity model and all these things that we do today. It's very different. So what does New Western focus on today then if it's not foreclosures? So it's really what I call the great renovation. That's a number of things, right? But generally, well, I'll back up a little bit here. So we're in 52 markets right now. We buy a house every 10 minutes. So today we have scale. Today we are a a nationwide marketplace, right? So there's a lot of other participants on the marketplace that bring inventory and things like that. So it's morphed into something closer to that. But the majority of the assets that we're looking at today are you know, just part of this pool of 15 million vacant homes there are in the United States, right? So those are often houses that maybe somebody inherits. And to them, it's a big problem because, you know, they work 60 hours a week to keep up with inflation, your average American, and they're not real estate professionals. But to a real estate investor, it's an opportunity. So we're often, it's very, very challenging. The data is very opaque with a lot of these vacant homes, you know, the situation behind it. And our targeting team really We have a centralized data science team that focuses on identifying those opportunities. And then we have a decentralized field team in all these markets that are boots on the ground that are getting to them. So I think we're the best in the country at that, at targeting those assets, at getting them back into those vacant homes, back into the market. So New Western is essentially a marketplace so where investors can go and look for opportunities that meet their own criteria. Yes, absolutely. It's a marketplace. So It became real popular when we started in 2008 because your real estate investor, they're not like the traditional buyer that wants to drive around and make bids and do all these things, right? So the big value proposition we presented back then, you know, they didn't care about the tech and how we got the properties. What they cared about is if they're going to fix up a house for 90 days and they're going to come off that project and they've got their crew freed up, they don't want to spend another 90 days looking for a property. They want to just come to us. They want to get their next deal in a week. They want to have a, a marketplace that's curated for the type of value add properties that fit them. Not everything like is on the MLS. Got it. So New Western purchases these properties. And so investors go to New Western and purchase the properties directly from the company, from the marketplace. Is that how it works? That's how it works. When you're so far upstream, like I mentioned, somebody inherits a house or there's other situations, you know, who knows how these houses become vacant, but there's 15 million vacant homes in the United States, which is an incredible number. They fall into disrepair for all types of reasons. But 
generally, this model doesn't work as a broker, like a traditional real estate model, because that's not your traditional seller, right? And it's really hard to control the customer experience if you have a property and a situation that's really tricky and has a lot of hair on it, like we like to say in the, in the real estate industry, and you just kind of pass that situation over to your buyer, the investor, and then you can say, hey, you guys figure it out. We have to take control of the asset, close on it and all that, and then put it on the marketplace for the investor to purchase it from us so that we can standardize that whole transaction for the investor. So that customer experience is exactly the same on this property that you purchased like it was on the last one. And you don't have to deal with you know, the mess of the situation that we had to clean up before. Got it. And so once you have the properties under contract and you've actually purchased the properties, how long does it take from when you close on the deals to when it becomes available in the marketplace? It just depends. We started in 2008 and you couldn't go to a, a venture capitalist and raise $100 million in 2008 like you could in 2021, right? So we didn't have any money. So we had to build a really efficient transaction process. That was just what we had to do. You know, like they say, the, uh, you know, necessity is the mother of innovation, right? But um, as a result, we've really built something where it's very efficient. So we can hold this property for a very short period of time. It could be 90 minutes, it could be nine days, but it's certainly not the 100 days that maybe an iBuyer holds a property for. So as a result, we have a really efficient business model that's not very capital intensive. Got it. And so can you give us some examples of some of the different buyers that have come through the marketplace and what they've been able to do with the properties that they've purchased through the marketplace and how they've taken it from there and then converted over to their own needs as an investment? We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Sure, I, I can speak to like maybe some really interesting and fun things that are surprising us how innovative they are with the Gen Z generation, like you know, new generation, new playbook, right? It's really cool. So I can speak to that and then I can speak to maybe there are more sophisticated investors coming into our space, which is actually really interesting. And some of this is so big, you know, people can't even see it. I'll start with the Gen Z. So I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of new playbook things happening where your old school investor that would just buy a house and rent it, you know, they've got one strategy. You can see some of the younger generation delivering a higher cap rate with just a different strategy. And we're seeing this a lot in like markets like Seattle, you know, the higher price markets where, they're doing a lot of house hacking, renting by the room to just a different generation that's more comfortable doing that. Just a lot of these different strategies there. You have a lot of these purchasing properties and really analyzing the lot configuration ahead of time, the zoning, things like that. This happens in various markets, generally higher price markets where they're adding an ADU, an accessory dwelling unit to the back of the 
property. So for the cost of like a pouring a foundation and a rough in plumbing and electric, they can just literally online order a 800 square foot accessory dwelling unit that looks beautiful. They can drop in the back, but you can imagine the cash flow expansion and just they can pay more for these assets, compete in the market as a result of just having a different strategy. So we're seeing actually a lot of Gen Z do that. And I think that's because they have access to information more readily, you know, social media, things like that. They're just more accustomed to, you know, what you had to look do to learn about real estate 20 years ago is just very different today. These strategies are just all over. You can learn about them. You can listen to your podcast. There's probably a ton of different, you know, ways that they've done that. So that's starting to be really interesting that we're seeing and we're tracking a lot of those, those models. And then I think the other thing we're seeing in the industry, which is just enormous, is I think you guys speak a lot about multifamily on this podcast, right? Yeah. And you're seeing single family move into more of a, a multifamily. What you're seeing with single family real estate is one of the largest asset classes in the world, single family homes, is transitioning for the first time from privately owned to public. You have publicly traded REITs now. I mean, you can imagine what that does just for various aspects of the industry. And then it's transitioning from local, where it's primarily dominated by local people, to national, where you've got you know invitation homes in Dallas buying all over the country, iBuyers, things like that. So that's been a little disrupted recently with interest rates and things like that. But if you think about the knock-on effect of that, everyone's talking about how maybe disruptive it is, but there's actually a stabilizing effect, I think, long-term as a result of that transition. And what I mean by that is when you have these real estate market shifts, prices drop you know, like a rock when there's not a bid in the market, I think. We saw that in 2008, just nobody was buying. You know, the demand was gone and all that. But if you think about like how multifamily asset is underwritten. It's underwritten based on a cap rate. There's these economics that go into it that are very different than a single family home, right? Single family home is generated by unemployment, job market, things like that. And it's much more wild a fluctuation than a rental rate. But I think right now, what will really protect the single family market is that these new players, these publicly traded REITs, you know, as economics fall back into balance, cap rates, things like that, which are often, you know, the drivers of that a recession will lead to lower interest rates, you know, things like that, lower uh, purchase prices of homes. That's when they step in. So they act as this sort of, I think, bid in the market that protects prices and provides more stability. So where before we had to rely primarily on your traditional buyers, now you can rely on the institutions to come in. You've got a new bid in the market. You've got somebody else out there to provide more stability, more liquidity to the market. So I think long-term, it's this really, really good thing. And I think there's space not just for the institutions to build these models, which they go off and securitize and generate more liquidity for the market. But there's also this new role called an aggregator where more like your mom and pop, you know, a combination between your mom and pop and the institutions where there's a more sophisticated player that's aggregating a lot of these properties, fixing them up, building these portfolios that they're selling upstream to these institutions, right? So it's interesting. I can speak more on that if you're interested, but these are two sort of different 
new models, new exit strategies, new strategies that we're seeing in our space that we just didn't have before. So for New Western, what is the buying criteria as you're looking for different opportunities in the market? It's really driven by... So we're a marketplace. So the nice thing about a marketplace is we have 165,000 real estate investors on the platform and we communicate with them almost daily right through our field. So we have a lot of intelligence coming in all the time on what's trading, what are we selling in this area, what price points are we moving these properties. We have more of that proprietary data than really anybody in the space. So when we figure out our buying criteria, it's really just last week's data, what's trading for what. We don't have to figure out, like an iBuyer has to figure out a formula to determine what something's going to sell for in 100 days. We just have to figure out what it's going to sell for next week. And we can look to last week. So it's constantly in flux, our buying criteria and our strategy in these areas. Got it. And so then since New Western owns these properties, as you go to the marketplace to purchase them, as an investor looking to purchase a property, what are the types of loans that are available? Are there ways to work with the company to be able to provide that, especially with the interest rates in the banks in flux right now, what are some of the different ways that are even possible to go through the company? Or is it a traditional bank loan that they have to go through? So this is where we're different because these properties are, as I mentioned before, upstream, meaning there's an opportunity to build equity in them. They're typically distressed or a value add sort of opportunity. So your traditional financing, you're not going to walk into Wells Fargo and get a loan for a property that has foundation damage and needs has all these opportunities, right? So it can be a little bit of a zoo. So we rely a lot on small local lenders. Sometimes there's a couple of savvy banks that have credit facilities specifically for this type of channel. But oftentimes there are these local fix and flip lenders. And when I say local, I mean, if you're a, a decent fix and flip lender, you're probably in 12 markets, right? But they're generally not tied to the bond market, the mortgage bond market, which has been actually good because we haven't seen a lot of movement in the interest rates as a result. And we actually have a platform within our marketplace where if someone comes to us, an investor, and they want to purchase a home in this area, we actually have an underwriting engine within our marketplace where we can collect a little bit of information about that investor. We can collect all the information we have about the property. And we have all the local lenders that we've already pre-qualified. We know that they're secure. And um, we have an underwriting engine where we can show that buyer, that investor, the different products and how they would fit to this property and what their down payment would be and their interest rate and the terms and things like that. So we've identified that looking for a lender or financing part as a huge need for the real estate investors on our platform. And we built a fintech solution on pairing them with a qualified investor that's going to close, they're going to show up, you know, they've got a good reputation and they've evidenced that by closing a bunch of transactions with us. So that is something that I think is really helpful for our customer. And earlier you were talking about the iBuyers and some one of the things that we've been hearing now in the marketplace or in the recent news are a lot of iBuyers are pulling out of the single family homes. What are some of the things that are some of the different trends that you're seeing with all the data that you have access to now? So what's interesting is Redfin put out a report that, and a couple other CoreLogic put out a report the fourth quarter, that investor activity, investor transactions dropped 50%, right? And everybody, all the news outlets were reporting on it. You spoke to the New York Post about it and some other media outlets. 
But what we have our data, because we look at this part of the market very closely, probably more closely than anybody else. But the reality was the iBuyers dropped like a rock. They reduced their transactions by 80% year over year for the fourth quarter when you compare them. And the institutional buyers, they did the same. So I think the institutional buyers will be back. I think um, they just have to get the economics have to work. You know, the cap rate has to match what they can securitize for, and they're going to be right back into the market. The iBuyers, I don't know. So when you look at the investment purchases dropping, it was really mostly the iBuyers and the institutions. The actual independent real estate investors, we're seeing a lot of signs of them being very aggressive. They can finally get deals again. They're not having to compete with the likes of Open Tour and a lot of these other institutions. So things are loosening up pretty well for them. And we're seeing them come back pretty strong and really take the market back from the institutions and the iBuyers. And so what's next for New Western? I think a lot more of what we're doing. We're building a platform where we can serve the investor in a number of areas, but it starts with the transaction. That is the most important thing. We survey everybody constantly. We're constantly trying to understand our customer better. And finding the property is still the hardest part of the problem. So if we can service that and not get distracted with a bunch of other things, that's really where we want to stay is just finding these opportunities for the investor. And there's a lot of runway for us too, because you know we're missing 5 million homes in the United States and we haven't been able to build enough homes to keep up with family formation. The last report that just went out you know, we're only going to build 880,000 homes this year. So the builders aren't saving the day, but we've got this 15 million vacant homes in the United States. Now, a lot of them are second homes and Airbnbs or whatever, so they don't qualify, but a lot of those are vacant homes. So if we can just do our job and find these properties and get them in the hands of a real estate investor that can fix them up and return to the market, there's tons of demand for that. And there's more and more people that are looking at real estate investing, single family investing specifically as this opportunity, one of the last kind of opportunities in small business that's real accessible. You can get in, you can really get your hands around it and jump the wealth gap with, with single family homes faster than, than just about anything right now. Are there any other trends that you're seeing in the real estate space? I think the trend that's going to come back and might be interesting to your audience if they're mostly multifamily is You know, the multifamily space is still pretty strong, but everybody's in it, right? And I think more people are going to be in it as they exit, you know, other places like office and stuff like that, right? So I think the trend that I think we'll see again, when these institutions come back, when the REITs start to come back, what you'll see, which is a really lucrative role, is if you're a real estate investor, if I'm Invitation Homes and I own 80,000 rental homes. You know, I'm one of the biggest institutions out there with single family. I don't want to go around and find a bunch of houses across the country and rehab them and do all this work. I just can't do that, right? I need big numbers. So I need to buy portfolios. So there's this real unique opportunity right now for a well-financed individual that has that skill set in real estate to acquire rental properties at a value-add properties where they can unlock a lot of equity through the rehab process they can lease them up. They can follow established buy boxes of some of the biggest institutions out there. And they can aggregate two, 300 homes and they can sell them upstream. It used to be when we were looking at foreclosures, if you bought 200 homes at one time, you got a discount. That used to be how it worked. 
The opposite is true now. If you have 200 homes aggregated, they're all rented, they're all performing, you'll actually receive a premium for selling those as a package versus individual because of the time, cost, and all that that goes into aggregating and building up that portfolio. So now these portfolios are worth more than the sum of their parts, not the opposite. So there's a really great strategy for an individual that wants to find these houses, fix them up, aggregate them, and sell them upstream and and really collect a, a really great premium on an exit. Got it. Kurt, where can our listeners find out more about you and your company? You can go to newwestern.com. Everything you need is there. We're pretty simple. We supply the inventory and that's about it right now. So, And the financing when you, when you come in. Awesome. Kurt, thank you so much for all of your time. I really appreciate all the insights you gave to us today. All right. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sale and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.